Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast that Neil and Paddy were back again after a bit of a deflating loss at home again to Brighton. We're, we're getting a small bit used to saying a loss at home to insert team here. Um, but we did lose. We lost to Brighton 2-1 at the weekend, albeit in somewhat controversial circumstances for how the game the game finished. But um, Brighton brought a team, a uh, well, well-marshaled team here, as we said, they would be in their there in the preview and uh some of our players were really really impressive there's, there's a couple of our players actually that i want to talk about that I, I i really like the look of but we um uh, things didn't really go away from the very very first whistle and myself and patty are going to talk to you about that uh over the course of the next i'm going to say 20 minutes but we never usually stick to that uh but anyway patty how are you feeling now we i i we i kind of deliberately left it because left the, the podcast for 24 hours or so uh, because I wasn't in the mood to be roaring and shouting down the microphone uh, with the piss and vinegar that I was full of directly after the match. But how are you feeling now about it, Paddy? How are you? Were you, I suppose it's silly to ask you, were you being for blood after the game? Yeah, stupid question. I was absolutely fuming after the game. Uh, still am to a certain extent. Um not as bad as it was on Saturday, got to be said, but some of the drivel I've read afterwards from people who obviously didn't watch the full, the full game, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's a strange one, you know, it, re- it really is. The, you know, you, you, the one thing I must say is I really enjoyed the game itself. Yeah. And I think for any neutral watching the game, 
it, it was an advertisement for how football should be played, albeit very defensively once once uh, Brighton got ahead. Um, you know, there's an awful lot of stuff written about the sending off, the penalty. Um, you know, if, if you watched all the highlights that I watched of the game, only showed the one challenge that that uh, Lamptey made. But like, they're forgetting that he, he made four fouls. Yep. And that that last foul was particularly made to make sure that Jack didn't go on the overlap and take the pass off for whoever was gone into the corner. It it was a he should he probably should have had a, a second yellow earlier. It took too long to give him his first yellow, and you know, the, the you had four players there: Lamptey, Gross, uh, Bissamba, and Mopai. All had three or more fouls, mm-hmm. but yes, only two players got yellow cards. Um. Their, their, their foul count in itself, 18 fouls in the game. We had five. It, it was it was just a strange, strange game. And look, they, they played to their strength. They finished the game with five players that could play at centre-back. Um, Webster, Dunk, White, Bourne, Feltham. Yep. Have, all, have all played at centre-back. Um, they were just set up. You saw, you saw when Jack moved in centrally, there was just no, no room, no space. It, it had to come out wide, and even out wide, there was a, a bit of guile and a bit of dirt in the likes of Lamptey to get those yeah. tackles in and break up the play. So it was a frustrating day all round. Um, yeah, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you where we'll start. We'll start about 80 seconds into the game when uh, Ross Barkley, who has been really pivotal for us, and 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 has played a kind of a, a very different role than any than anybody else seems to be able to play in that midfield. Um, has played for us, so he he limped off after taking a free kick, whereby he seemed to have strained his hamstring. Thankfully, it doesn't seem to be too bad. Don't know whether we'll have him for next Monday night at West Ham, but maybe the fact that it is a Monday night as opposed to a Saturday game might give us a small bit more hope. But Ross Barkley goes off, and as you mentioned, there Jack goes into the center, or they bring on Treore. Tre- I'll spring yeah. him from the bench and, and they play him. Um, I think, like, like hindsight is twenty twenty, and so on. I, 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 I enjoyed watching Troy. I thought he played well. I thought his free kick was fantastic. I thought he got around the field. I thought he was energetic. But my biggest thing with Troy was, I think he was almost too, he was too eager, and uh, this the kind of the positional. And, and you've heard me talking about it since since the game has come back after COVID. This this midfield is so 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 predicated on positional um what's the word uh, positional uh, discipline is the word I'm looking for. It's really predicated on it. The only one who doesn't need to have as much positional discipline is Grealish. Even Trezeguet has come when he's come in, he's had that discipline because El Ghazi, when he played there after after we came back, he didn't show the same amount of discipline for staying to his position. So when we bring on Traore, um. It's not that he. I would say he was ill-disciplined. It was just he seemed he was really eager, and he was he was, you know, he he tried to be everywhere. I think is what it was, and he tried to get on the ball and he tried to chase everything down, which was fantastic, which was good. But it was like like the team. I I, I the more and more I watch this team, I th- I think we are very we're very much uh um, almost nearly a muscle memory team at times. And when Troy was was hearing around the park, McGinn was out of the game because that's McGinn's role. 
McGinn's role is to hear around the pack after these players. But when Troy was doing it, McGinn was kind of lost for the first 20 minutes, the first half, any, I, I would say, in total. And if you break, if, if McGinn is lost, Douglas Louise is lost. And that whole axis of three in midfield was the problem because um, I don't know what Tyrone Mings is doing for the first goal. But if you see it, like usually you've got Douglas Louise would be, would be almost back there in a three at that stage. And, and then for their second goal as well, we had nobody in that corridor between the defensive line and the edge of the penalty area. Douglas Louise was very far forward and, and John McGinn had pulled right out onto the left. So for me, yeah. for me, I think losing, losing Ross Barkley was huge. Um, it, but well, it, that, it was pivotal to our, it, it changed completely how, how we played the game. We, mm-hmm. Like, I don't think Triori is up. To, I, I'm not saying that he, he's not going to be. I just don't think he's up to the pace of, of what we asked him to do. Um, initially and eventually, as I said, led, led to Jack playing through the middle at some stage where where there was literally no openings for him at all. Um, I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. I think Jack on the left is his best position. Um, but I, I do believe it was the, in my opinion, it, it was the wrong substitute to make. Um, bearing in mind that we had a relatively fresh Conor Horan and Nakamba, who while they've obviously been travelling and, and played a bit of international football, I think they disrupted the way we play by by bringing by bringing in Traore as opposed to bringing in one of the other guys. And it would have helped us out defensively. Um, there's a lot of ways of looking at it. There, uh, you know, I do trust Dean um, to make these decisions. Uh, I, I, I'm 100% behind him. But if it was me, and that's the only thing I can judge you by, if it was me making a decision, I would have brought on probably Connor, if not Nakamba. Um, mm. And I don't think much would have changed. I think I think McGinn probably would have got forward a bit more. Um, but I just think Traore isn't up to the pace of the Premier League for whatever it was, 85 minutes that he was on. Yeah, just as a proof because he, he ran out of puff early on, late on in the game. So, um, uh, it's uh, a strange uh, one. You know, it's unusual for it to happen so early in the game. I was a bit disappointed that somebody with hamstring problems would pull a hamstring so early in the game. It would suggest that maybe the proper stretches weren't done. I've on, honestly nothing to back that up. Um, I was just disappointed that it happened so early because, you know, he, he's been out he's been out twice in his career for long periods with, with hamstring injuries, so surely that's what what you would focus on. I'm not I'm not I'm nothing to say whether it was that hamstring or the other hamstring or whatever mm. it was. It's just he's obviously susceptible to hamstring injuries, so it'll be interesting to see how long he's out. I know they're saying it's not as bad as they first feared, but. Hamstrings are, are just tricky things, and I don't envisage we'll see them next Monday either. Yeah, and, and to just go back on that point, like it, it just it begs the question, and 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 like like before anybody, I suppose, kind of throws their eyes up to the air and kind of tuts and goes, "Well, Jesus, if Paddy and Neil aren't optimistic, <laughs> we're all fucked." So if Paddy and Neil aren't optimistic, because we usually are, we usually find the sca- somebody, somebody else to blame that isn't in Aston Villa. Uh, but what, what I'm what I'm prefacing here is the fact that what has changed so much since Fulham, the fact that Conor Horan played that game, played really well, and, and, and we have a blueprint that we could have just gone back and played again. So like what I mean by that is that we played with Conor in all last year and um, 
Like it would have been very easy for Connor to come on and revert back to that game plan. And uh, against Fulham, it served us pretty well. It served us actually really well because we won 3-0. And instead of bringing on Traore and inevitably having to make two positional switches, bringing on Connor and only make and making potentially none uh, was call me old fashioned, but that's the way I would like to do it. Um, yeah. As I say, Look, it's, it's all hindsight. I do think Traore played well. I think he got around the field. I think his, his free kick was absolutely brilliant. Um, he got on a couple of balls as well in around the edge of the area, and I thought he played well. Uh, but uh, as I say, as you said, um, he will come on with time. Absolutely. I, I see a good player in there. I see a really good player there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what might have even might have even been better for him is if we moved what because I thought Ali Watkins is one of the poorer players in the field. And I th- I think that maybe if we had moved Watkins out to a wide position and put Traore up front and let him lead the line for a while, just mix it up a small bit because Watkins, while a lot of ball was played to him, and he did get a lot of ball played to him, he left the ball behind him a ton. He tried to it was he had a strange game. He had a very strange game, um, I, I think, Watkins. But, uh, yeah, it was so pivotal that 80 minutes in, we lose Ross Barkley. And, and we, while we didn't look powder puff, because we did attack really well. And I think that gets lost in the fact that we, lo- that we lost the game is our attacking intent was really good. Like if we had, like like last year, we would have came nowhere near attacking as well as we did this year. We just couldn't get the feckin' ball in the net. Matt Ryan played brilliantly for a 25-minute period in the first half. Matt Ryan would have blocked marbles. He absolutely would have blocked yeah. marbles. And, and and Ben White, I, 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 I have to reserve at least 30 seconds of praise for Ben White. He is a star in the making. He's a brilliant player. He was brilliant for Leeds last year in the championship, and he was excellent today. Absolutely excellent today. And there's a reason that, that Brighton turned down big, big, big money for him. And I think Liverpool were even looking at maybe parting with, 20, parting with 35, 40 million or something along those lines for Ben White. And Brighton turned it down. He's he's a good player. Damn good player. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, they're a, t- they're a team of good style of players. Just going back to the, the decision to bring in uh, Traore. Obviously, we're not privy to what's going on in training yeah. all week. So he, he obviously deserved, or the, the management team felt he deserved to uh, to have a go off it. So, you know, good luck to them making that decision. But it wouldn't have been what I did. And I'm not, you know, I know you say we're being negative. It's We've been beaten. So <laughs> it's our right to feel a bit negative about it. Um, and there's, there's more reasons as we go on to why, you know, why we were beaten. And I think oh, yeah. the, the main thing is overlooked. We played three o'clock on a Saturday and everyone was delighted. <laughs> it probably went against us. Yeah. Bear in mind, bear in mind you look at, you know, Mings, Jack, Douglas Louise, John McGinn, all looked like they were playing with lead in their boots. Mm. And that's, that's just my opinion. I thought they were very, very leggy. Um, Trezeguet, who again, did a lot of traveling he was like a bee buzzing around the place for the whole game and it didn't seem to knock anything out of him. But you go back to, and I remember having this conversation, not name dropping or anything years ago with Andy Townsend. Um, and he remembers playing, I think it was Chelsea they played at 12 o'clock on a Saturday um, after an international break where they played two games. And the Irish players that were in the squad were absolutely out on their feet. And they were complaining about the match being on at 
you know, half 12 or wherever it was on a Saturday. So that obviously has an effect. And there's an awful lot of pressure goes playing with England. So for Jack and Tyrone to come back after being involved in three, three international games, it, it, it's going to affect us. And it's just an awful pity that our, our Monday night matches next week and not this week, because we could have done with it. Even if we'd have got to a Sunday, I think it would have made a difference to their fitness levels and, and, and recovery levels. So I would imagine they'd be looking at a couple of days off this week to recover. And um, I'd imagine they would have been in Sunday to, to get work done and, and just get the recovery session done. But there's, there's a few of them there now that need a break. And, you know, Maybe it's time to mix it up in midfield. Obviously, we're, we probably won't be well Barkley. Yeah. But it's 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 going to have to be. You're going to have to see either Connor or Nakamba coming in there because they've been patient. They've been waiting for their chance, and it'll it'll have to come in the next in the next game. I'm not I'm not saying that we won't win the game without either of them doing it, but like John McGinn looked. I'm hoping it was just tiredness. But some of the passes he gave, you're just scratching your head, going, "This is not the John McGinn we're used to." Are you and tried to say hope. he was he was at the sauce all week after after <laughs> Scotland well, qualified for the Euros? He was definitely under the sauce after they qualified. Anyway, I don't know how long after that they ended up losing the two subsequent games. Oh. So maybe they were. I don't know about you, Paddy. I've played some of the best games I ever played, fully inebriated. So uh, <laughs> I'm not. Good. <laughs> oh, I know, but but actually, yeah. That, I suppose that is a talking point. Is but um, uh, I, I watched the game back again. I've watched the first half more so than the game. I watched the first half back again twice more since uh, since Saturday. And uh, because we we had the luxury of it was on Premier Sports here in Ireland, we had it free to air, which is a nice little bonus. Um, so I had it recorded, but I, and and that's why I'm I'm not as I'm not as downhearted about this game because of the the I suppose the the, the attacking intent that we held is something that we haven't shown in the we didn't show in the Premier League at all last year, and to do it this year um, against the team that was parking an awful lot and leaving well back up on his own and playing long balls up to him. Um, as we saw for the first goal, first goal, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the first goal because the first goal to me makes no sense. How, how four defenders can, can, uh, can not be aware of where the center circle or where the, the halfway line is in that instance for me is it was jaw dropping. When I saw it back again, I went like, like he was, he was five yards inside inside the inside yeah. his own half and, and and our whole defensive line was up there but yeah that was that was that was a worry um a big worry and it was it was a big mistake that's that's the only way we can call it who whose mistake it was i don't yeah. know because well, it, is, it is a mistake when you look at who you're up against and the pace that danny welbeck has you've got to legislate for that when you're attacking mm. there's got to be someone sitting just inside their own half you know at least to be able to make a challenge there was like you could see mings Blown out of his arse trying to get back to to make the challenge. It just he was never going to get there. Yeah, I and I don't think it was him though. You he usually does stand more forward when we're in a in an attack when we attack. Oh, I'm just picking means because like, I, I know. One, yeah, he was the one that made the run. Yeah, I I, I don't know whose whose fault it was. Uh, and as I say, maybe it was that we were still in turmoil within midfield and and the back four didn't. I'm not saying that they didn't know where they were, but maybe the back four were just a small bit more unsure of things. Uh, but but that that for me and and it goes back to the John McGinn thing. Uh, after watching the first half, 
he was out of sorts because we had no coherency in the midfield. We didn't know where people were. And, and our ball, as you said, that out ball from John McGinn, that, that, those passes from him, he was picking the ball up in a different part, portion of the field. And I know people are going to say, he's a professional footballer, we should be able to pass it anywhere and in the field. And that's fine. But yeah. a, a, lot of, a lot of tactics and a lot of systems and stuff like that is essentially muscle memory. It's like, I'm going to pass it to this area because... X, Y, and Z, because, because I know that player X, Y, and Z are, is going to be there, or at least I'm going to have a 60% or 70% chance that one of my players are going to be there. And when there's that bit of dysfunction, you know, um, the way things are passing and stuff like that, like that can be off. But that first goal, it was, was a real soccer, it was a real soccer punch and he finished it well. And to be honest with you, and, and the showing that Danny Welbeck had yesterday, um, he would be a perfect striker at the top of our uh, front three, the way he played yesterday. Uh, <laughs> but now, look, I'm not advocating that we go, we blow 20 million at Danny Welbeck, we could have got him for free or anything. I'm not advocating that he's the next coming of Jesus Christ or anything out there. But he is, uh, he, the way he played yesterday was the way I would have liked to see Ollie Watkins play um, against their back three. But it, we played, we didn't play, or he didn't play play that way. And maybe we didn't play to his strengths as well. Um but we did come back into the game. Like in the first half alone, Trezeguet had that uh, going out scramble or that Bach does three or four shots um, on their own. And and yes, he did put it over. I, I'm still a big, uh, I'm still going to half defend him and say that we've all done it on our weak foot, leaning back after having two or three shots and the ball comes back to you off a goalkeeper and you think all you've got to do is maybe farting it and it's going to go in and then you swing a left leg in it and it turns out to be way worse. Um I'm not letting him away with it. Sorry, <laughs> no way. He should have not scored. From eight, not he from eight yards. There's, there's no excuse not to hit the target from eight yards, even if it hits a defender's arse. Yeah, you, you have to be hitting the target from eight yards. Just, it was crying out for him just to pull his laces hmm. through it, and he tried to place it. it was yeah, just very frustrating. But look, I'm not, I'm not being harsh on him either because I thought he was one of the brighter sparks of the day. I thought he he worked very hard yeah. and put in a decent shift, but. There's no excuse for missing from that. That like you look at Sully Marsh putting the ping in the ball into the top corner with his weak foot, you know. From ah, from come here. That's we've all done that. Yet again, I got to say that as well. We've all had that one off our left foot that screams in Ala David Beckham against Greece, you know. Except not from a free kick. We've all had that one where we just ho- hitting up. Sully Marsh will never score a goal like that again either. Just like. Yeah. Just like Patrick you, Bamford's two goals, just like Danny Ings's goal against us, it was just one of those screamers that we tend to concede at home, unfortunately. Yeah, and if you if you look at if you look at the slow motion, like I know the bo- the pass by Gross across the box yeah. felt like it was slow motion, but when they slowed it down, it bobbled just before he hit it as well. Yeah, and it just landed on his toe. If it hadn't bobbled, he might have just skied it over the bar. Oh. But look, it's it just wasn't our day. When you when you look at everything that went wrong throughout the day, mm-hmm. from right from the start with Barkley, um, getting injured to the very last minute when we had to endure VAR, the dreaded VAR. It's it's just I think I think it's going to be one of those games that we draw a line under and go. That was just one of those days that nothing went for us. Arsenal, cool. Liverpool was, but we've got to start now making these games count as much as we make the teams against the or the performances against the bigger teams count because these are the ones that are going to keep us up and keep the other teams at bay. Who hit the crossbar, Paddy? 
Who hit the crossbar? Am, am I am I dreaming it or did someone? I've watched the, I've watched the first half twice. I'm almost certain that someone hit the crossbar in the first half. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Jesus, maybe I did dream it. Wouldn't be the first time. Wouldn't be the first time at all. Yeah. Jesus. I don't know. I can't. I honestly can't remember. So, somebody will tell us on Twitter soon enough. I'd imagine. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that and, and and as well that save that, that Matt Ryan made um, with his foot. Do you remember the ball? Just the ball kind of came in. There was a shot, and it was yeah. kind of bouncing around. And he made the save with his foot. And I was going, like goalkeepers don't do that. Usually goalkeepers fall in their arse and it trickles in over the line. There, they do something silly or they kick it off the crossbar, comes down, yeah. hits him. But well, I was a little disappointed that Watkins didn't attack yeah. it. Yes, yeah, that's what I was getting at there. Like we we've yeah. we've barreled El Ghazi out of it twice before, and like that yeah. was it. Like Watkins, Watkins could have bust the goalkeeper there like like that's well it was a, it was a strange decision for him to let it fall onto his foot he, he probably had time to go and catch it and that's obviously what Watkins mm. was expecting but you can't give him that time you've got to put the pressure on and hope that you can like w- once he gets he there, there's no doubt if Watkins had it went for it he probably would have got there first yeah be- before it landed on his foot so it's disappointing but again it's just one of those disappointing days, and we haven't even got on to the biggest disappointment of the day no, yet. No, I'm, Will we I'm, get it over with? <laughs> well, I want to talk about our goal first, I suppose. We'll talk about the other two goals. Like, like what we've yeah. talked talk about, I say, Sonny Marsh's goal. And, and to be honest with you, there's the, the biggest problem with that was the fact, as I say, that our midfield, our midfield never got settled after Ross Barkley went off. That corridor, it's literally an actual corridor. It's not just a figure of speech when you look at it. Uh, and Douglas Louise wasn't where he normally has been, right on the edge of that area. And uh, it just literally, the parking of the sea, landed on Sonny March's foot, as you said, after a bobble, and it just pinged into the top corner. But look, that's the way those goals. And then our goal, that that's the way those goals, should I say. And our goal then was, um, it was a brilliant delivery from Traore. Like, let's, let's not... Play down. It was a fabulous delivery from Traore in there. Brilliant. Absolutely. And and, and Kanza did well to score that. They're ones that go off your foot and go over the bar. You know, he did yeah. really well to score that. And uh, I thought once we got that goal, 47th minute, that we would push on and we would score again. But we we, we just didn't. It's as simple as that. And, uh, well, obviously, it's as obvious as that, should I say, considering we're talking about it 48 hours later. Um, but then we do get to the very last moment of the game. And uh, Trezeguet goes down in the box under a challenge from Sonny Marsh. Yeah, had he talked me through your initial don't forget about that three let that three lettered word. Talk to me about that, that your initial thoughts when you saw it. Well, my initial thoughts were straight away it's a penalty, he's kicked them on the shin, it's a penalty, regardless of. What way he ends up face down on the turf in real time? Did you think that? Did you think it in real time before we before we saw any any replays of it? Yes, I thought it was a penalty. So did I. I thought it was a penalty. When you saw the replays, did you did it change your decision? No, absolutely not. Because he followed through and kicked the player. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go off topic here and bring you back to the 16th of February this year. Bergwijn was going through on goal for Spurs and in slid uh, Bjorn Engels, got a block on the ball and was subsequently uh, penalised and a penalty against him 
for catching Borgwan with his trailing leg, even though Borgwan got the shot away. So where where is the laws of the game? Because you know, if that happens on the edge of the box outside, it's a free kick all day long. Now, what what exactly did the referee look at? His tackle was late. As a result, it hit off the side of his leg. It didn't hit his mm. foot, which is ultimately what he was trying to do. So because it missed, he missed it, he followed through and kicked Trezeguet. It's a stonewall penalty. And every neutral has said it's a stonewall penalty. Absolutely everybody. So what are these morons looking at in VAR is just beyond me. Why there was even need to look at it again. And you knew that once he went over to the halfway line to have a look, he wasn't going to overrule which, whichever Muppet is sitting in Stockley Park. And they are Muppets because they're either making up these rules as they go along or they just don't know what they're talking about. It because they're, they're accountable accountable to nobody. They should be made, make a statement after each game that something like this happens and, and explain why they've come should, to that decision. The ref should just be mic'd up. When the ref goes over there, there should be a microphone near the... Near the um, it should just that the TV company should just turn on when he goes over to the video and he discusses it through with upstairs, and that's like it's yeah. like it happens in rugby. The, these issues just don't happen in rugby because you know exactly why the ref is given a certain decision. But yeah, we spoke about Absolutely. this before the podcast. We spoke about whether whether we feel it was VAR's fault or whether we feel it was Michael Oliver's fault. And for once, I and I'm not not. Uh, saying that VAR don't have anything to do with it but I was way more pissed off with Michael Oliver there because a referee can still turn around and he can he can overrule that and say it lads it wasn't clear and clear and uh, clear and obvious I don't like th- genuinely if he had turned around and given penalty we wouldn't be talking about this it's the fact he overruled Nobody it. Would. it everybody is talking about it it's the fact he overruled yeah. it Sally March the second Sally March gave away the free he did the whole Two hands up beside his hand, yeah. yeah, up with the hands, and and he knew, straight away he, he knew hundred percent yeah. that he was after giving away a penalty. Yeah, there is no doubt in my mind that he walked away after that VAR decision and had a little giggle to himself because he knew he got away with one at that stage. Like Lineker, Shearer, every other pundit that's spoken about it has said it's a penalty. When you look at what these clowns are given Harry Kane penalties for. There's a definite bias. There's a definite bias there. Look at the Man United penalties. Even look at the Man United penalty. That little jump that Bruno Bruno Fernandes, that little jump he does when he kicks the ball, is inviting a goalkeeper off his line. Yeah, And that should be ruled out. And nothing is ever said about it. Mm. It's it's just, it's beyond belief what, what they're actually coming up with when they look at, like, they say three minds are better than one. No, well, it's too many cooks by the broth. There's your, there's your. Uh, well, that's your, what's happening. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, so there should be no, there should be no VAR. It should be if it's that contestable, you've got maybe, you know, like tennis where you've got so many different, maybe three in a game that you can yeah. contest some contests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Say, and sorry, then it goes to VAR. Then yeah. it goes to throw VAR. a flag in. Let the let the referee come over and watch the replay. If he's happy with his decision. Like, where is the clear and obvious error in kicking someone in the shin? Because yeah. he didn't kick the ball. The ball yeah. hit off him, but he didn't kick it. 
no and and look i uh, yeah and, and and this is why we didn't start with it and this is why i suppose as well because i feel like we're talking about this the whole time and i feel like i'm getting a victim complex from from var yeah. i really do i feel like i'm i'm at, at times and maybe this is why i'm kind of more pissed off at the fact that michael uh, that I don't that I don't think VAR overturned this decision. I think Michael Oliver changed his mind. And we've always been told that the referee doesn't change his mind. But now the referee changes his mind at the drop of a hat, nearly game in, game out, when he sees the video back. And is that is that the right thing? I, I once again, as I say, I cried, I cried for, for years saying that we wanted we should have VAR in the game, that it was it was a necessary thing to have. Now I'm looking at it and I'm going. Its implementation is completely wrong, and I feel stupid for being such a big advocate of it because it's it's re- like like nobody is happy with the with the sport at the moment there, because of it. The reason I wanted VAR in the game is, and it, it the, the whole the whole point of it was to stop the bigger clubs bullying the referee to get the decisions, which Man United won championships doing for twenty years, um, which Jose did for the last fifteen years or whatever long he's there. And it's still happening. You look at the penalties Harry Kane gets when backing his arse into somebody and they're giving it because it's Harry Kane, because it's England captain, because it's Jose and they're afraid of their fucking life of Jose. There I am cursing again. I'm so, so annoyed at this whole <laughs> system. And it's, it's pretty, but it, it's, it's, it's right to be annoyed about it. And, and, I, and I've gotten to the stage now whereby I don't like making comparisons to any other clubs because it's like it's it, once again it's a say it's like it I I begin to feel like I've got a victim complex over it I really do and it's I don't know what the story yeah, I, is with it I think you I think you've every right to be when when you, when you go back and look yeah. through what we were done on last year yeah like that Jesus that's the only God. thing we can base it on mm. like everyone goes oh you got away one against Sheffield United and I'm like well I'm sorry the season didn't the start there. And we didn't make the mistake, no. nor did the referee. At that, at that stage, it was already five decisions to nil on VAR before that Sheffield United won. And that but, wasn't even VAR's problem. That was yeah. a problem with the technology. That was, that was a, yeah, so the referee didn't even have a decision to make there because he didn't know about it. Like, if there were, yeah. put it this way, if, like, if there was no, if there was no technology there, we wouldn't, like, that wouldn't have, have, have changed the game. So for, for me, yeah. Look, it was an egregious error against Sheffield United, one hundred percent. Like, and, and no, no straight face Villa fan can sit there and yeah. say, "Oh no, we didn't fucking blah, 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 whatever." It's not that case. It was, it was wrong, and we should have lost that game. But yeah, yeah look, it's, it's. Uh, uh, we, we, but we, but we shouldn't have lost the Crystal Palace game or the Arsenal game. The Arsenal you know, game. the list could go on and on. Yeah. So I think, I think we're right to be having a go at them. Yeah. You know, I think if I think if somebody like Spurs or Liverpool starts having a go at them, they'd want to give their head a wobble because they've got more than their fair share in their favour. But we we undoubtedly have well, been hard done by, I, and maybe it's time in interviews to start standing up for ourselves. And I think they maybe do. I, I think the fact that Graham Potter came out and said he, I don't know what a penalty is, and 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 Dean Smith said I don't know what a penalty is, and and, and just just yeah. so you sit there. About, it's, all, it's all very well Graham Potter saying that afterwards. He was, he was shouting at the referee while the referee was looking at the screen. 
Yeah. So, you know. you got to play the game that way as well. But, like, yeah. I, I, you mentioned there about Liverpool and Spurs. If they started giving out about it, they got their fair share. Every wrong decision is a wrong decision. So, once again, like, I, I know I know what you mean by it. Like, that the, the bigger teams are probably more, they, they get the cause. Like, look, Bruno Fernandes, everyone is waxing lyrical and saying he's gotten this many goals and this many assists for, for United. And he's, like, mm. number one uh, in, in all the statistics since he joined the Premier League. And then when you drill down into it, a lot of them are, are VAR decision uh, penalties and so on. But as I say, I really, really, really don't want to come on and talk every single week uh, and comparing other people and say, and what about her and stuff yeah. like that, because it's, it's, it's tiring and everything in the world at the moment is what about her and, and, uh, but I just wish they could just get it right because it's, 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 it's an easy thing to get. It, it's tech, theoretically, it's an easy thing to get right, but until they do, yeah. it's it's going to be heartbreaking for not just Villa fans. You've got, every other unfortunately, fan. you've got you've got referees making these decisions, and they're always influenced by big clubs. I don't care what anyone, I'm not saying that happened on Saturday. It just does no. happen in general. Because if it's 50-50 and it's Jose Mourinho or Jorgen Klopp, they're getting a decision, and they have done all along since VAR came in. Whereas with us, it's time now to to really put the pressure on them because that seems to be the way it works. And that's the way it has worked historically. You, you remember going back to the days when Fergie used to be pointing at his watch and all of yeah, a sudden yeah, yeah. Minute, six minutes injury time when there was never six minutes of injury uh, time deserved. But- but what what we're discussing there, I don't think is is a VAR issue. That's gone on since the then the, since the dawn of time. Like Brian Clough used to get that as well. When you look back, because he was yeah. so animated in the sideline, um, people used to like there was. I, I I can remember one referee standing up to standing up to um to to Fergie, and it was David Ellery. Uh, but that's because David Ellery, I don't think, uh, cared about whether people liked him or not, uh, and uh. <laughs> Yeah, maybe rightly so. But uh, yeah, I, I, look, as I say, it's it's middle of the day here on Monday. And I'm going to leave it on this point. That yeah. These these referees are getting an awful lot of money for doing what they do. Yeah. They're professionals. They don't have other jobs anymore. They need to be accountable for their decisions. They should and be as far up. as I'm concerned, that the three people that made that decision that nobody agreed with, absolutely yeah. not, even Brighton fans on Twitter we're saying we got away with one there. Mm. They should be punished for making decisions like that. I don't care what anyone says. Well, you I, kick somebody in, kick somebody in the box, and it's not a penalty. There's something fucking wrong somewhere. The the thing is, whether whether they're punished or whatever, I I don't really care whether they're punished or not. My biggest thing is that I just want to know why they made the decision. It's the transparency yeah. of it. It's the like I would have no problem if I could hear them trying to rationalize it out. And if they said, Okay, we're not giving the penalty because he didn't kick him, and I go, What? He clearly kicked him. I, I just don't know what I'm outraged over. I don't know why I'm disappointed in him changing the decision. And that for me is the biggest point, biggest problem. Because the, if, the point I'm making is if we if we see those continuously decisions. If we see them referee in League One games next week, we know yeah, that we've yeah, been yeah. vindicated in our decision. And it's and no good for us. It's no yeah. good to us. Because you're never going to get them to, to be interviewed at the end of the game and sp- explain no. their decision, which should happen. For somebody who's on that amount of money, it should happen. There should be justification yeah. for it. Or it does, uh, even the interviews afterwards, because uh, they can just not answer the question. They can just say, well, we saw what we saw and we gave the penalty like every other politician, like a politician would. It, they should just be mic'd up at the time of decision making. Their mic should be turned on 
and uh, you should be able to hear the, the booth, you should be able to hear them and, and just hear the rationale behind it. And I think everybody would love that. And it would take an awful lot out of it. And after the game, like if, if, because like, that's the big problem here is we don't know why it was, it was overturned. We don't know why it was yeah. overturned. We don't know why because was it because he got the ball? For me, that's that's a that's a flimsy excuse. Was because he didn't kick him? For me, that's also a flimsy excuse. Like why was it overturned? We don't know, and we're we're speculating, and that's what the biggest problem is. That if you want to take if you want to take the messing out of football or football punditry or or you know after game or even fans, you know stoking the fire between fans like why do fucking like like you see it all over the place you look on the internet and you'd see i don't know insert online football publication here and say villa fans a furious at leeds fan why are they furious at leeds fans none of the neither of the two fucking sides know like it's just it's stoking it the whole time and and it's it's silly and if we just had a bit more transparency and you could hear them making their decision nigel owens has never in in rugby has never been lynched in the street as far as i know because of a decision he made because everyone can hear why he's made the decision and the rules are clear as day that's another thing Mm. but anyway we're going to cut it there. The monologue, the monologue will, or the, the, should I say, the dialogue on VAR will continue. It will continue. Yeah, I'm sure. And it's, it's not just us. The whole weekend has, has been yes, talked about it, in, it has. In, in loads of different games. And it's, not, it's, not, just, it's not just a poor us kind of thing. Yeah. It's it's happened across the board. You look at Matthias Klitsch falling as if he'd been shot in the, fa- in the face for a, a fake headbutt. You know, obviously you can't do things like that, and he was right to give a red card. But you know, Klitsch didn't exactly help matters, and probably should have been yellow uh, card for his Look, Pe- Pepe was a stones in that in that aspect. You know, he you yeah. can't do that. Like regardless, if whether whether Klitsch didn't go down, it was red card. You know, he, he, yeah. him going down didn't make it. You know, it's just part of the game. The flop is part of but the game. But I'd also like to draw your attention to um, why Jack Grealish got a yellow card, and I I was actually so proud of him for pulling your man up off the ground. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, Jack Grealish gets a card for that. For yeah, Jack Grealish yeah. gets a card for that. I Tyrone think there Lewis. should be more of that. You know, be. I think we should be looking at more of what Grealish did, and more of what uh, Kieran <laughs> Tierney did after the game yesterday of, of of letting him know what he thought of him. Well, did you not see that? You see, once again, I'm going to come down and I'm going to go. Who who's going to please who then? And at what stage does it become anarchy? Yeah, well, if you're not if you're not getting a decision that should be, you know, the, the, these people have to be down for it. The if, game, if, they're maybe, feign, yeah. if they're feigning an injury to get somebody yellow carded or sent off, they need to be dealt with after the game or dealt with by VAR. Is that not why we brought it in? Yeah. To deal with these kind of things? I so, I would like if there was an amnesty uh, after the game to allow the emotions come out and allow people to say what they really think about what happened in the game, and then with just that one amnesty in the post match uh, the post match interviews, then it can't go on for the rest of the week. So, uh, but uh, but I, I I I don't understand why players and 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 well I know why, but I I, I don't. Uh, I, I don't know who it's helping other than the referee in the aspect of if like Dean Smith should be able to come out and say I think he's made a balls of a decision there I think he's made an absolute balls of a decision I've no idea what he's looking at Dean Smith says that he gets gets fined five grand you know and that's wrong yeah. where, where, where is my like Michael Oliver doesn't have to say anything to anybody and he never gets fined his five grand if, if he, well, my, like, my opinion on what my opinion on that is let Dean Smith say it and let the club back him up by paying his fine hmm, because it has maybe. to be said you, I, I, I'm, I'm honest. I'm honest. Like I, I do believe 
that Jose and Fergie made a career and won championships out of bullying referees. And but that's we're we're going to get we're going to get nowhere if, if we if we if we don't get stuck into them when they need to be stuck into. And that's yeah. I just he, he deserved because what will happen is the referee will just turn around and brandish him or like brandish Dean Smith a red card. I'm not like I'm not saying that Jose and and, and that Fergie wouldn't, but this is what this is what happens. Success yeah. breeds success. We've seen it through. We've seen it. People are more lenient and and more successful teams, more successful yeah. players throughout throughout any sport in, in in the world. But look, I suppose yeah. once you've made it, you get the benefit of the doubt, and it's just becoming more and more difficult to make it when you have these technological pieces in there that are once again, uh, I suppose, drawing from the possibility and the, and the, what's the word, the spontaneity of the game, I think as well. But look, hopefully it will, uh, like, as they say, it levels out over the course of the year. Um, I don't know whether it will, but hopefully it will. And I'm sure this won't be the last thing we talk about, the last time we talk about VAR going forward over the rest of the year. Before we go, Paddy, this time I remember the Laker, Laker sportsman in a match, but I haven't to be reminded. But I want before I do that, I just wanted to say, um, well done to Rob Prince, Rob Prince on Twitter. Um, Rob, you won our for the love of Paul McGrath hat. So on Friday, a box came in the case you guys didn't see it on Twitter. Friday, a box came to the door and uh, it had a couple of for the love of Paul McGrath beanie hats, uh, bobble hats, and they were actually class. The guys in Laker Sports, John in Laker Sports, sent me up a couple of them. Um, and like I couldn't get over them, they were amazing. So I rang him straight away and I thanked him for them and everything. And, and we're thinking of getting a couple of more run off and maybe putting them up for sale, guys, if you want, uh, just like whatever cover cost price and 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 postage and packaging because uh cold weather is coming in now if you guys want to want to rep uh for the love of pomegranate podcast beanie hat or bobble hat keep an eye out on twitter we might put something up there we'll just do a limited run or whatever and we'll, we'll see if we can get a few made up and and um but uh those hats were class and, and paddy i know you were wearing one in your morning walk there the i saw i saw a picture up of it but um yeah, congratulations to Rob, as I say, and hopefully that, that hat should be winging its way to you because I sent it off there this morning. But our Laker Sports, the makers of said hats, our Laker Sports, um, that's L-A-O-C-H-R-A, L-A-O-C-H-R-A, in case anybody is looking to see um, if they can maybe get anything made up by them themselves. Um, our Laker Sports man, a match today, Paddy, I'm going to let you pick it because... Uh, for change thanks oh <laughs> uh, yeah i let you pick it in yeah. defeat it's very easy yeah. to get the um, win <laughs> i i was torn between two uh i was torn between uh our goal scorer Ezri Konza, Ezri Konza, and i was also thinking trezeguet but i think i think uh when we when we talk about all of the the people who played with lead in their boots and just were off the pace on saturday I thought Ezri Konze was our one uh, shining light throughout the game and he, and he capped it off for the goal. So for that reason, he's my Laker sports man of the match. Excellent. Yeah, can't, can't uh, disagree with that. Uh, played pretty well and really blossoming uh, in, in this system, in this team and, in the, and as the season goes on as well. So fair play on that one. Lads, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, 20 minutes has turned into 45, if not 50, if not an hour. You can see there's over an hour. Thanks to VAR. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks. To, maybe we need we need VAR to tell us to shut the fuck up at times. I think that's what we need. Um, if anybody wants to be the uh, VAR, give us a shout. Uh, but thanks a million to everybody for listening. Listen, it's, as always, I can't thank you enough. Um, 
thanks to to everybody who interacts thanks to everybody for liking and sharing the video about the hats it was a bit of cracking on a friday night and uh unfortunately we didn't have the result we wanted but we might i've got one or two still floating around there we might have uh have another giveaway for for the west ham match as well so if you guys are are uh around uh or you're on twitter should i say keep an eye out for that um you can follow paddy on at villa paddy you can follow the podcast on at love mcgrath pod um, onwards and upwards we're still seventh in the league and we're still in a very healthy position and we're we're light years ahead of where we were last year performance wise points wise confidence wise player wise stature wise uh, in the view in the eyes eyes of the media and the eyes of everybody in the eyes of the world we're light years ahead of where we were last year so don't let a couple of defeats that we've had this year um, that we probably would have had in past years against uh, Liverpool, Leicester and Arsenal deflate anybody. Um, we're still on the right road this year and, and, and this year is going to be a cracker for Aston Villa, I'm sure of it, especially as we go in towards the Christmas Christmas season here. Um, so Monday night again, guys, we'll be back to you maybe Friday, I'd say, with a, post, a pre-match preview. Maybe Thursday or Friday, I don't know. I'm off this weekend. Depends on whatever day I can haul my arse out of bed. Um, <laughs> I'm off this week but uh, until then guys all that's left to say is up the villa up the villa Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.